Hello and welcome to A Muggle's Perspective. I'm your host, Rogi. I'm joined today by everyone's favorite of the two of us. The uh, whole reason that this exists, your boy, Brayden. Wow. Applause? This is nice. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Studio audience, really big fans of Brayden. Yeah. Press yeah. company excluded. Yeah, it's great to see all you guys. Really appreciate you coming out to the live recording of this episode. You guys are a good-looking crowd, good-looking mm-hmm. bunch. How's mm-hmm. everybody feeling tonight? Chad's married, Braden. Okay, just back off. A guy can dream. Today we are discussing chapters 29 and 30 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, as well as the late breaking news that the dun, Indianapolis dun, dun. Colts have traded a third and conditional second round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles for Carson Wentz. Braden, you're we're excited about this? The Carson uh, Wentz era? I just I like I like news. I like news <laughs> in the sports world. Something happened. Yeah, especially when it comes to Indianapolis sports, because nothing ever happens. Um some pretty big trades here in the last couple of months. Yeah, but that's I mean, that's really out of the norm, yeah, right? True. Like as Indianapolis fans, we're used to just like getting a bunch of rumors started around the trade deadline, and then like we sign a guy from the G League or something, yeah. like you know, extend a two way contract to this guy, yeah. or you know, nothing ever really happens in our small market, you know, middle of the pack sports world. So yeah, I don't know if that was a good signing or not. Time will tell, but it's exciting. It's a step. We're actually going all in on something. The defense is really good. You got to think that Carson Edwards had his best Carson Edwards. That is. You should bring him in. (laughs) That's the pretty player. Yeah, he could play. He could play running back. Like he's shifting. Can succeed. In in this offense, then Carson Edwards could definitely succeed in this offense. I was going to say Carson Wentz's best years were with Frank Reich. You know. Yep. Kind of rekindle some of the magic. Carson Wentz loves hunting. We have lots of good hunting yeah. here in Indiana. Sure. Give me some uh, more. I don't know a lot of facts about Carson Wentz's personal life. That's really all I know. He's from North he Dakota. He likes hunting. Or went from to North, North Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I don't know if he's actually from North Dakota. I just assume if you go to a school like that, that's where you're yeah. from. But, uh, I don't know why you go a, there otherwise. He's got a red beard. Mm-hmm. Sherlock? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if uh, if Indianapolis keeps a good running game, and I'm not even talking Should. great, just like fairly reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps any quarterback. So if he can make some decent throws on third down here and there, extend some plays when the pocket collapses, <laughs> he's gonna he's not gonna give up on the play. He's Carson not. Wentz will throw the ball like while parallel to the ground, a la Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think unless your name is Tom Brady, you have to do that to be successful in the NFL, the way it's played now. You look at, like, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, even Deshaun Aaron Watson, Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, all guys that, like, usually are not well protected, but they 
get outside the pocket and make some insane throw mm-hmm. and extend plays. So that's also where you throw picks, though. Yeah. Yep. And you kind of have to live with that, probably. Like <laughs> like Carson Wentz is going to throw some picks. Yep. That's going to happen. Um, you just hope that they're not in the fourth, all in the fourth quarter, like Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I like news in Indianapolis, so it's exciting. I don't think it's Check a terrible contract. A lot of people are saying it is. Like, if he if he turns out to be a true bust, they're saying, like, this will haunt Indy for years. It's like, I don't know. What else are we going to do? Well, when you trade someone, doesn't, like, a lot of some of the guaranteed money or, like, the signing bonuses, like, Philly has to pay for some of that still. Yeah. Because there's, like, a dead cap hit for them. So I don't think you're taking over the full... They're contract. taking like a thirty million dollar cap hit yeah. to like go him, right? Yeah, and so it's it's market value for a starting quarterback for for a, a slightly above average starting quarterback at least. And if he's not that, then like you're, it's not ideal from a value perspective, but it's not destroying you. Yeah, I just I don't know what else you were gonna do. Yeah. Um, I I wanted them to go get Matthew Stafford. Yeah, that would have been and, it. They didn't, so it was kind of like, well, you can either give away, you know, the kitchen sink just to get up in the draft, and then take a gamble on some kid that you hope pans out, or, or Russell Wilson. Gosh, dang, I would lose my ever-loving that would mind be wild if Russ and Sierra came to Indiana. If, even if it was just Quentin Nelson and literally no one else blocking for him, that'd be the best line he's ever played behind. I think it would. It really would. At this point, I don't know why they don't just have Pete Carroll out there as like yeah. the right guard. Mm-hmm. Just from like a pizzazz standpoint. Yeah, he he'll would have. He'll get you yeah. pumped up. Yeah, energy. Speaking of Dead energy, shoes. we've got Neville Longbottom just throwing zingers here in chapter twenty-nine, the Lost Diadem. This is for those of you not reading along at home. This is the chapter where Neville's like, "Oh yeah, they've been torturing us," but like you know. You got your different levels of how much I'm being tortured day to day vis-a-vis the Karos. This has been good for Neville. Just toughening toughening him up a little bit. You know, you can tell this is a different Neville walking through this picture frame. He's, he's battle-hardened. He's ready. Yeah, I think I speak for the listeners when I ask you where you stand on Neville. I mean, this is this is one of the topics that they want to hear you talk about is Neville's glow-up. <laughs> Neville's glow up. He's he he was the leader. He was like, yeah, me and Ginny and Luna were pretty much in charge of things. Then they left, so it was like, I guess I'm running Dumbledore's army now, but no big deal. Yeah, yeah. He needed he needed that opportunity to shine, mm-hmm. and he he stepped right into it. Um, I love that, and I think it's founded on like his grandma's proud of him. Like he goes out He's of his so way to mention that. It. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. she's it literally him... never done, said that before. No, no one's ever said that to him before. Yeah. And so he just needed that little bit of confidence. Um, I don't know. I think it's really cool that he and this other group of kids have not given up hope because yeah. I was kind of thinking through this, reading it like, if I'm in the DA and I'm getting tortured at school uh, and I haven't heard from Harry, Ron, or Hermione in weeks, are, are we talking months at this months. point? Oh, yeah. 
months, um, be pretty easy to lose hope mm-hmm. and just be like, so I guess they just bailed, you know, like they, they figured, well, Voldemort's gaining strength and power. Like, what are we honestly going to do in the long run? Like, let's just get out of Dodge. Like, I don't know. Be easy for your mind to go there. So, yeah, it's like, it's like an apostle type situation where it's like, they have to look back on Harry's teachings. Like, what have we, like, remember like what it was all about, you know, what we've learned from him over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I appreciate Neville stepping up into some leadership. Um, Jocko Willink would be proud. Uh, I don't think you don't. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Reference shot and missed. Um, try, but I, I was, I was going to ask kind of, is this what you would have pictured the resistance to look like is hiding out in the room of requirement, doing some graffiti, freeing first years from their cages, yelling, Harry Potter's cool, and then running away. <laughs> Is that kind of your... I wouldn't have expected them to still be in Hogwarts. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I think I was... I, if you'd asked me, I would have been more so anticipated... I don't know where Hagrid is right now. Uh, Hagrid's in the mountains. Yeah. So I would have expected him to come back and kind of like start a little colony in the woods yeah. of like DA students. Yeah. And like they come out riding centaurs. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have explained the toughness more from yeah. Neville. Like he would have been a woodsman, you know, like he's got a beard now <laughs> and he only wears red and black plaid. Yeah. Yeah. Robes. Yes. Yeah. Robes. He cuts. He just cuts wood all the time. I'm doing it for Harry. Got to no. keep. Got to keep the house warm for Harry. <laughs> when Harry gets back, it's got to be warm. Got to keep the candle burning. He's gonna be so cold when he finally comes back, guys. He's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I was gonna kind of ask what surprises you the most about the resistance, but it's that they're not in the woods and he's not wearing a kilt. Uh, and it's just surprising that Neville's the guy. Like, who would you have pegged to be the guy? I think like Seamus. Based on, based on based, what? Based on that he's just loud and fiery and Irish. Like, he's in the movies. He's often on fire, so that's true. That's yeah. a fair point. He does. The, I mean, like the big. Seamus actual storylines are the time that he's like, well, my mom reads the paper and the paper says you're stupid. So I think you're stupid. And he, he thought that for a few months. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's got the personality. He's like a, he's the Conor McGregor character. He he is. I would have thought maybe Ginny. Yeah, you're right. That's more likely. That would have been, that would have been too much. That has sent Harry right over the top. This would not have still been a PG thirteen PG movie. It, it barely hangs on there for a while. Yeah, Harry's yeah. Like, it's like, and then Harry looked at her, and he was flush with arousal at her beauty. <laughs> yeah, if she comes strutting out of there as like the leader of the DA, and she's like got all these leadership qualities, and got people running around, she's you know, got, making like, things a, happen. A Wookiee bandolier yeah. across her chest, and. Yeah. She's got like war paint on. Yeah. yeah. Harry's wheeze get <laughs> Harry's knees get weak. Harry's Harry wheeze get neek. Wheezing. 
Hitchini! Hitchini! Oh, man. That's funny. Um, so speaking of these people who are leading some kind of resistance, there's like three pages of Harry being like, but you can't help me because you're not Harry Potter yet. And it's yeah. just got to be me doing it. I was wondering, yeah. I was wondering, eventually he kind of comes around sort of, did this, uh, was this the right amount of posturing by Harry? Is he overly obsessed with like doing it alone? Is he right to be thinking that way? It was kind of annoying in the midst of reading it. Wow, I'm watching Rogi just inhale a bowl of chicken salad. Ooh, one bite. There's one bite left. Um, but I think from his perspective, like, you can't blame him. I mean, the whole prophecy is centered around like he's the chosen one, right? Like he has to be the one to defeat Voldemort. So like he's got that mentality through this whole process. And I like to think that his quote selfishness of like not allowing others to help is rooted in not wanting, like wanting to get as few people hurt as possible. Yeah. That's what I come back to. Is it being a protection thing? Because yeah. it's like, even if you tell them about Horcruxes, on the one hand, it's like, well, the already knows you're hunting Horcruxes. You might as well have more people on the lookout. But still, he's going to be extra mad about anyone that has that kind of information. Yeah. I don't think it's rooted in ego. Yeah, I just wonder if it's almost like a childishness. Like, well, Dumbledore said, it could only be me and Ron Hermione, yeah. so I can't tell you. Yeah, I think there's an element of it that's that would be described like that, but um and we sort of had this conversation when Lupin tried to jump in. Yeah. And hit some of the same notes. Yeah, I think Harry we we see Harry throughout the whole story feeling guilty sometimes that like all the you know, like when there was the scene of like the eight Harrys before they were mm-hmm. attacked mm-hmm. by the, the, the death eaters. He felt like he felt guilty in that scene. Like, I don't like, you guys don't need to do this. I don't want everybody getting up, getting up there and potentially getting hurt. And like, you guys are risking so much for me. And, and, and Ron's like, Oh yeah, it's the first time for all of us yeah. risking our lives for you. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's an ego thing. I think it's like, I think Harry's starting to get fed up with all of it and just wants to like, like he knows it's going to be him and Voldemort in the end. That's the way it has to be. And so as many people as he can protect from that along the way, I I don't know. I think that's the majority of it. I do think there's the piece you're talking about where he's like, he still has that, foundation of trust in in uh, Dumbledore and and mm-hmm. is going to you know follow out his commands to some extent. Yeah. Um Max question I wanted to ask you just a quick refresher as far as you can think of off the top of your head what horcruxes do we have left? Will we see them? I know you've long <laughs> posited that we weren't necessarily going to get like a good conclusion to the story like there's just not enough time. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, this is good because I'm sort of confused about how many we have and how many are left, and how how many there are total. Mm. Let's start there. There's seven. Um, Dumbledore theorizes that Voldemort would have made six, which means that his soul is in seven pieces because there's still the piece inside of his body. Okay, but that's just a Dumble theory. Though Voldemort does kind of run through a lot of them in the last chapter, where he's like, nope, that one's safe. Oh, that one I might have to go look at. So there's the ring. Mm-hmm. Done. There's the the locket that we mm-hmm. already did, that Ron destroyed. Got that one, yeah. There's the the cup that we just got out mm-hmm. of Gringotts. About to destroy it if we can. There's, uh, what, well, we think it's Ravenclaw's diadem or however you say that. Mm-hmm. So, so you're on the side where you're like, that seems like it's what it is. You know, we've talked about it this much. Yeah. Okay. Um, you got the book, the, the diary, the, the yeah. yeah, the book, mm-hmm. the book. Um, so we're at, what is that? Five. That's five. Six obviously is in, like number seven is ultimately like you said in Voldemort. Yeah. So we've got one more. Yeah. And so that one's Nagini. That's the snake. Yeah. Because even I mean, like I'm not spoiling anything. In the last chapter, Voldemort is like, and then there's Nagini who has to stay with me now. Like I can't send her out to do things. She has to be with me. Right. So do you think we're going to get all of these destroyed? Do we, are we even going to find them all? I think we're going to find the Ravenclaw one. So at that point, we will, in theory, know where they're all at. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we're going to get them all destroyed. I think it's too much. It's a tall task. Yeah. I think it's too much. I don't know how you kill Nagini. Yeah, like when the most powerful wizard alive knows that you're trying to kill his giant venomous snake and then can put enchantments on it. And it's still a giant venomous snake. Like that's, that's tough. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't even know how you're going to get close enough to the snake yeah. to begin to try and figure out what enchantments it has. And yeah, cause it's, you know, it's a snake. It's going to move fast, right? Yeah. I would, I would assume so. Also like my, my, uh, perception of Nagini's size is way off. I found that out this chapter or the, the it'd be 30 when it talks about Voldemort approaching the gate with like Nagini around his neck. Mm -hmm. I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. I thought Nagini was like the size of a bus, like a small bus. I, (laughs) I would have thought that she was like, like 10 to 12 feet. Yeah. Like a, like a really, like a mini bus. Yeah. And so I'm get you can kind of loop, you know, if you loop once and then you've just got like, it's not a straight line. Like she's, you know, curved out here. I think we're talking about multiple loops here. You think it's a, it's a multiple loop situation, but like she's, she's thick with multiple C's. Like those are some, those are some heavy coils. <laughs> she dumb thick. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's neither here nor there. I was just a little taken aback because I, I guess I thought. Nagini was this like monstrous snake yeah. that she's no not man the basilisk. Could, 
Yeah. I wasn't thinking that big, but yeah, probably what you're saying, like a lot, like 12 foot, like, um, but I'm also thinking like diameter, like in my head, she was way bigger. Oh like, yeah. Like, uh, like a small tree. I think she's supposed to be like a naturally occurring, like boa constrictor okay. or whatever. Yeah. I wasn't thinking of her like that. I was thinking of her as like a magical. Yeah. Enlarged snake. Yeah. It's yeah. a small. T- I mean, trees can be pretty small. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's not a great description sapling. either. I'm really, she's bigger I'm than a sapling, but she's smaller than the bowl of an oak. What's a good. What's a good descriptor of. Compare bigger, or smaller than a telephone pole. You know, that might be the best, like a, like a touch bigger than a telephone pole is kind of what I had in my head. Those are pretty big. Yeah. I don't know if it's that big. Like it's like you could wrap your, like you could touch your elbows around a telephone pole if it was against your chest. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's not, that's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. That's kind of, I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of like the the thickness with C's that I had in mind for Nagini. And I don't think that's probably what's real. I'm into it. A couple do we cares here. Uh, Did I even answer your question there about like, yeah, will we see them all? You said, we, you think we're going to find them, but we're not gonna be able to destroy them. Um, and you confirmed that you're pretty sure it's the diadem. So, and I Um, said, I said previously, I think that Harry is one. Yeah. I feel like you've said that. No. I still think that happens somehow. I still think, uh, I don't know how, I don't know specifically how Horcruxes work in terms of like, who does? Yeah. Like it, could there be a piece of Voldemort, Voldemort's soul in Harry because he was present and saw his parents murdered? Gotcha. Maybe like, I don't know. Can Voldemort like put his, like, you know, like, like I'm thinking this diadem, like if this is one of the Horcruxes, like it was there when mm-hmm. he murdered someone. So, and so he and, put his, he put and, a piece of his soul in that. So did yeah. he put a piece of his soul in Harry when he killed his parents? Well, and the question there I think is about intentionality versus unintentional. Like he killed his parents and then he was basically killed. Like he became a, like less than a ghost yeah. or whatever. And so did that piece of soul have to go into something or does it not work that way? Can it not go into other humans? Did it like reflect off of him? Like mm-hmm. he tried to put it in Harry and that's how Harry as a baby like fended off the, oh, nice. the spell. And so he hit got... himself in his face with a piece of his own soul. Yeah. Okay. It's all on the table. Like there's no there's no wrong answer at this point. Like yeah. we're in the world of magic and like it's not just Wingardium Leviosa magic. It's theoretical like deep state magic. So <laughs> deep state magic. <laughs> yeah. It's like black box magic. Yeah. Um, do we care about the room of requirement? It can yes. just change while you're in there and like only add bathrooms Neville. only for Neville. He's the Lord of the room. He, well, I think it says like Neville, is particularly good yeah. at knowing the way of the room. Like, no, you know, Seamus definitely says that, um, which will, 
cre- like creates a ton of value for Neville. Yeah. They're going to need that. I like that. He'd been there for a few days and then some girls came and they were like, where's the, we need a bathroom. And he was like, oh yeah, a bathroom. I guess. That could have been good. That's exactly why he figured that out. Um, So do we think the room of requirement is going to play any more roles? I mean, we came into it and I guess that's, what else could you make it? Can you make the room of requirement into like, at like the Millennium Falcon, can you make it into a place with like turrets and guns? Yes, it will become the Millennium Falcon, <laughs> and we'll end up with like a crossover episode. Yeah, where the Star Wars characters meet the Harry Potter characters. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll like we'll bring in Stranger Things as well, mm-hmm. and it'll just be this mega episode. Okay, so uh, so real quick, Han Solo, Slytherin, I think. He's a Slytherin with a heart of gold, you know, but he is out for himself. Okay. Luke, right. classic Gryffindor. Yep. R2. Uh, hard to say. R2's a robot. Hard, yeah. Um, 11. Hufflepuff? Yeah. But she's clever. Yeah. I think Dustin and Will are Ravenclaws. Yeah. Lucas is definitely a Gryffindor. Or maybe a Slytherin. I haven't seen enough of it to probably make a definitive call on that. Guys, what do you think? Call in um, A675309. <laughs> Ask for Jenny. Um, I don't remember any other famous phone numbers. Nine, three, seven. I don't remember. Do you know the number? The actual number? Potter zero. Nine, seven, eight, seven, six, eight, 83, 70. Nine, seven, eight, Potter zero. Call in. Let us know what houses the Star Wars and Stranger Things characters should be sorted into. Yeah. But you asked if uh, if the rumor requirement will become important. Can it be made into like a, a war room, like a base? Yeah. Can it have turrets? Um, I think that what's what's up? <laughs> You're clanking things. This. I think that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's fine. We don't care. Do we care about Cho? Cho Chang's back. Hadn't thought about her in two books. Man, Cho at this point, I feel like Cho's going to become, um, what's that character's name in the office when, um, it's the girl that's hitting on Jim, the new sales girl. Uh, Kathy. Kathy. Yeah. Cho's going to become like the Kathy of Harry Potter. Like, you know, they had their run. It Well, so it's not directly like Jim wasn't with Kathy in the past. So it's more like Rashida Jones character, maybe. Yeah. Where it's going to be this. Yeah, it's like. And Perkins. It's, it's yeah. What's what is she in the office? What's Rashida Jones in the office? Her name what's in her the name? office is. 
Come on, we're better than this. No, 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 don't look it up. All right, I won't. You're right. How do I not know? Let's do this the old-fashioned way. Why Why is it not coming to me automatically? This is bad. Karen. We're gonna have to Karen Filippelli. Karen, Karen Filippelli, good. Yikes. I, don't th- good. I want to take that out, but I don't think we can. I don't know if we I can either. I think we have to leave it. We would lose all integrity. As shame. Um, so Cho Chang is the Karen Filippelli of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. They had their run. Mm-hmm. And now it's just awkward. And I think she would take Harry back. Like she kind of wants Harry still, but yeah. he's with Jenny. When you were comparing her to Kathy, I thought that she was going to like come into later scenes and be like, Harry, we can, we can beat him if we go this way, but we have to take most of our clothes <laughs> off. Like you're just putting him in compromising situations. Yeah. Hey, I heard you kill, I heard you kill Voldemort through by sleeping together. That's Kathy basically. Man, uh, but then Ron comes in as Dwight and it's just like farting everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to work Kathy in there because, um, <laughs> Hannah, um, Hannah really, really hates Kathy. Yeah, I can see that. Like, gets really angry during those episodes. It's like a two episode storyline. I know. And that's all I have to say about that. The best Kathy thing is when they're playing um, the, like, how many buttons do you have in your pocket game? And Dwight's <laughs> like, that's not how the game works. And she said, that's how I played in college. And she goes, <laughs> college rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love the bed bugs part. Yeah. No, he's strutting all smug and self-assured. <laughs> <laughs> There's a blooper for that where they just can't, they just can't get past it. I really don't. When you watch the blooper reels from that show, it's like, how did they ever get anything done? (laughs) Like you could say that about most shows that Steve Carell has been a part of. Like, how did they ever film Anchorman or like even the voices he does for like, uh, despicable me like that have been hard at times but like the office where it's just like adult humor Steve Carell is like out of control like you know it, the improvisation like they're just they're improvising everything mm-hmm. I don't know how they ever got anything done yeah I guess Steve was just a real pro and like never breaks basically and so it's just up to you that's so much pressure like I can't laugh that's what I mean it's not him it's not him breaking it's like I would never be able to to do anything like I could never get my lines out they say when John Krasinski when he starts breaking when he starts laughing like it's just done like he's not gonna stop for like half an hour yeah Um, do we care about Aberforth going forward yes yeah yeah uh I still don't understand why it was his eyes that that Harry was seeing in the mirror. It's because he bought the mirror from Mundungus Fletcher. So Mundungus oh, Fletcher so like stole the Sirius version, the like the one that Sirius held on to. He stole it from Sirius's house, sells it to Aberforth Dumbledore. So yeah, he just watched it. It's his Harry channel. It's a lot of the inside of Harry's bag. And then sometimes you get to see Harry. Yeah, so why does he care so much? Why is he tuning in to watch Harry Harry television all the time? I mean, he's in the order, you know? Like, he's, like you're doing what you can. 
Yeah, but he's like so jaded. Yeah. I th- my guess is that you just kind of leave the mirror up on the wall or like propped up on the mantle. And so it's, you know, you're in your small house or whatever and you just notice when Harry's yelling into it. Yeah. Yeah, and I th- I don't know. He's the closest thing we've got to the real Dumbledore anymore. He's yeah. the closest thing to like grandfatherly wisdom mm-hmm. that we've got left. So I like to think that when Harry, because Harry keeps saying, well, it's Dumbledore's orders and he's just going to pop up and be like, whose orders so like he's gonna <laughs> he gets grandfathered in where he just gets to order harry around yeah um do we care about the ravenclaw common room no password oh it's a riddle yeah that's gonna be annoying because they're gonna have to figure that out to be able to get to the diadem mm-hmm. and we're going to need Hermione. Got to have Hermione. Yeah. It's going to be in the, the Beale de Bard book, obviously. The answer to the riddle. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Only she can read it. Right. All right. Chapter 30, the sacking of Severus Snape. Say that five times fast with a lisp. I just want to say before we get started on this chapter. Mm-hmm. The title of the chapter got me real excited, and the content of the chapter kind of let me down. Really? What did you think sacking meant? I just thought it was going to be more of a decisive, like, we finally deal with Snape. Mm. We get him cornered. The Snape question's been answered. Yeah, we figure out who he's, whose side he truly is on. Mm. Like, we, we kind of think we know, but there's still, like, a little bit of mysteriousness to him. Like, yeah. You know, maybe that's I keep thinking like maybe there's this huge elaborate plan where they like he and Dumbledore conspired to stage his death. Nice. And it's uh, like the beginning of the third season of Sherlock where they're pitching all the the different ways that Sherlock could have survived. Exactly. From falling off the building. Yes. And one of them's him and Moriarty like and there's a dummy up there and they're like giggling and then they start to kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't do it, Sherlock. I'll burn the heart out of you. (laughs) yeah so I was really hoping that I was going to get all my uh, Snape questions answered and got none of them answered got none of them answered except whether or not he can now fly yeah I if I like my question about whether or not he was afraid to just jump with all his body weight through a window yeah I got that answered that had been burning um, now's as good a time as any to kind of bring up just the whole, and I kind of mentioned this before we recorded, where are you on the fi- everyone being reunited trope? I mean, it happens in 29 and 30, like the whole gang's getting back together, all the Dumbledore's army people, there's a bunch of Weasleys here now. Every When I read that, and then it's like, and then Seamus and Dean hugged because they're best friends, and then this person came in, like, I get the feels every time. Yeah, it's... It's fun that way. It's fun to see Percy eat crow and uh, come to his senses. And the Weasleys are kind of a a unit again as a family. Um, But what I, I don't know, it's more importantly, you are seeing if this book truly ends the way like hero stories like this are supposed to and the good guys win, this will be why. Because they are cohesive 
they have they have love like they all love each other they all care about each other they'll all sacrifice for each other friendship triumphs over greed yeah they're not operating in fear they're operating in like love and sacrifice and uh that's it's like it's it's a total the the way we've seen um throughout this book like how the death eaters are operating Mm -hmm. it's the total opposite right like they never know where their leader is. They don't know. Like they're they're afraid he'll kill them at any moment, just like in a fit of rage. Yeah, it's fear, um, it's greed, it's lust for power yeah. versus principles, values, love and friendship and hopscotch. Yes. I'm sure that answers my question somehow. Your question was <laughs> It was just about like if you like it when the gang gets back together. Does the reuniting hit me in yeah. the feels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It's good. It's. I viewed it more as like a. Okay, we are we are ready. The big yeah. fight cannot be that far away. Like we've got our teams together. I've and... been reading these books for three years, <laughs> and we're finally gonna have a big freaking fight. Yeah, the, the Avengers Endgame. Everyone coming through the portal. Yeah, we got all hands on deck. So let's get it. Like, let's get after it. Yeah. Let's find Voldemort. Let's kill him. Uh, This actually segues really into my first question for chapter 30. Who were you the most excited to be reunited with? And why is it McGonagall? (laughs) (laughs) Um... I'm excited to be reunited with McGonagall because of Jim Dale's voiceovers nice. of McGonagall. Yeah. You, you'd missed it. You didn't realize how much you'd missed it. I didn't realize how much I'd missed it. I didn't realize how much I missed her like sassy attitude. Yeah. Like, um, Oh, you need my help getting in the riddle door. Cause you're too dumb to get through the riddle door. Yeah. And when she like really eloquently, calls um filch like an idiot in like six different ways yeah when he comes bursting onto the scene at the Mm -hmm. end of the chapter that was textbook mcgonagall that was Mm -hmm. great it was cool to uh to see her patronus like the cats Mm -hmm. taken off Mm -hmm. in front of like harry and hermione and ron um she's a great character i'm afraid she's gonna get killed off because you saw how much Harry loves her. When Harry was like, yeah. uh-uh, you do not spit on McGonagall. Yeah. I now murder you. Yeah. Yeah. Again, with the the unforgivable curses. Yeah. It's becoming second nature. Yeah. And even Harry points out, like, I forget how he says it, but he's like, I guess I really did have to mean it. Yeah. I see what Bellatrix meant, yeah. Yeah. I think it's necessary, but I think given how these curses were introduced to us Mm -hmm. and how they were used when we were introduced to them, it's a little like alarming at times. I think it's supposed to be, I mean, it speaks to the intensity, the importance of the situation. Yeah. I mean, it's similar. It happens right at the same time when Harry is saying Voldemort and Luna's like, Oh, so we're just allowed to say that again now. And so it's like, we we, we broke both their seals. Yeah. He's like, we're past the point of, you know, civility and propriety. Like you just do what you got to do. Voldemort knows where I am. We can. We just need to use these spells if that's what it takes. Yeah, and realistically, when he does get when he does face off with Voldemort, he's going to have to use the Killing Curse. 
Yeah. Like, what else does he have? Got to do it. Yeah. Um, so speaking of facing off with Voldemort, how long are we going to be able to hold this off? I mean, is it next chapter? The Voldemort comes walking through the front door. Is he going to have to break down every wall first? We're in chapter 30 Mm -hmm. and we've got, what are there? 36 in this? Yeah. Something like that. There's a few more. So there's going to be some chasing around the castle. Like it's going to be like classic Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah, Like we're going to see him come in one way and out the other and, Mm -hmm. um, now do Scooby-Doo as Seinfeld. I wish the listeners could have seen it because it was really all in the facial expression. Seinfeld has been coming on, like it's always on like digital cable, right? Like we don't pay for satellite, so we just have the little digital cable we hook in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're flipping through those channels late at night because like you've been you've scrolled through Netflix for the eighth time and can't find any can't find anything that justifies why you pay the monthly fee for it. And so you go back to public television and you find Seinfeld inevitably. And it's like, I know that I need to just start it from the beginning yeah. and watch it like everybody else. And I, I'm sure I would come to appreciate it, but like the three or four like recurring episodes that I see a lot of the time, it's more than that. There's probably like a mix of like eight episodes that I always see. Soup I'm just always kind of like, I mean, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the one where, um, where like Kramer and uh, Newman steal the, the, the mail truck and they're like chasing down the car that has the golf clubs in it. I've, I've seen very little Seinfeld. Okay. I can picture well, it. Like there's, there's bits and pieces that make it that are kind of funny, but I always end up just kind of losing interest. But I don't know. Like, do you have friends who are huge Seinfeld nuts? No. Because I feel like people I'm love too that young. show. Yeah. Yeah. I know my parents watched it when I was growing up. My parents watched The Practice. Did they watch ER? No, I don't think so. I mean, not when, when I was around. The only show they ever talked about was The Practice and, like, Crossing Jordan. Mm, I think I vaguely remember that. I think that's what it was called. How did we get here? Uh, oh, I you asked you to me do... to do Seinfeld as Scooby Doo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we're gonna we got some chase scenes. Um, there's gonna be a little bit of foreplay before, like it's Voldemort versus Harry. Yeah, I think there's going to be. It's going to be kind of one of those like epic battles, like epic movie battles where there's like little skirmishes going on at different corners of the castle. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to stop. Um, we're going to, we're going to see it's going to take a while to find this, this Ravenclaw Mm -hmm. Horcrux. And, 
Harry's going to search and search and search for it and want like kind of keep wondering why, where Voldemort's at. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to get to the diadem or whatever it is. And Voldemort's going to be there waiting for him. Nice. He's going to spin around in a wheelie chair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is the, that time that Harry's searching for it, are we going to pay for that in the lives of members of Dumbledore's army and the order of the Phoenix and, yeah, so I think that's in, I think that's inevitable. Unfortunately, you've predicted McGonagall and I think Hagrid dying. Yeah, I think Hagrid will ultimately be the one who like jumps in front of the proverbial bullet. Yeah. Um, I could also see Ginny being taken from us. Um, wow. By Joe. Joe takes it like, down. <laughs> <laughs> they just killed Voldemort. Everyone's celebrating Joe from the top rack. <laughs> <laughs> that would be horrible. Um, no, I think it's I, like I could see if it was Ginny, I could see it being like everyone's so focused on the fight that like Ginny kind of sneaks around to try and help Harry mm -hmm. and gets herself in some trouble. Yeah. Wow. That would, that would break my heart if, if, if they get Jenny, but you also have to wonder, are we going to lose one of the main characters like between Harry, Ron and Hermione? We're not going to lose Harry, but okay. So that leaves Ron and Hermione. Ugh. Ron already I mean, left for like a month. Yeah, so maybe he'll maybe they'll kill him off. <laughs> <laughs> it was a test. It was like, can we live without this? Yeah, we probably can. <laughs> Just the savings and food in the grocery bill alone. We'll have way more food. <laughs> um, you kind of already answered my third question, which was, is Ginny gonna end up joining the fight? <laughs> Because her mom is like, nope, you're too young. And she's like, bro, do you see the hundreds of children running around this castle? Yeah, I didn't care. I didn't understand this. I don't. Because she's not 17. She's not of legal age. Are we honestly worried about legalities right now? Is that what we're going to care about in this moment? I think the point is that Molly is using that as an excuse to try to make sure that her sure, daughter stays I safe. I understand that. It's a weak excuse. Like it just doesn't hold up. Yeah. It's like, Molly, this is a children's war. Like <laughs> the the prophecy calls out a, a what? An eighteen year old boy mm -hmm. to be the one who who kills the most evil wizard who's ever lived. Yeah, he's one year older than Ginny. Age is not a factor here. Yeah. So it's like, I get where you're coming from, but you can need a better argument than... Sure. Well, you're not of age. Okay. Um, yeah, my only other question was, if you want to do a quick Snape check-in, and we mentioned it before, he jumps out a window. He Was he like about to get killed by Flitwick, Sprout, and McGonagall? I don't think so. I think it was weird that he jumped out the window, because I think he could have taken all of them. So you have that much faith in the magical ability of Severus Snape. I mean, he killed Dumbledore. Yeah, I do. I think he would have struggled with McGonagall. 
but I think he could have taken out the other two relatively easily. So that is what adds to the mystery of Severus Snape. Why not just kill him? He killed Dumbledore. Right. Maybe he didn't want... That's that's the thing. Like, if you can kill Dumbledore, and now you've got McGonagall, Flitwick, and who's the other one? Sprout. Yeah, nobody. So, like... (laughs) Dumpy McGee. (laughs) Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld is your third wizard that you have to take down. How do I even use this thing? <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying, man. You can never be too sure with Snape. He's always playing both sides of the coin. He is. And I just want to freaking know. Do you think you're going to find out? I'm more interested in Snape at this point than I am Harry Potter. See, I didn't get that impression in 20 minutes ago, but now it's like, you know, the more I think about it, what the frick, Snape? It's it's a developing beef. Ooh. It's a calf. It's a young calf. Brutus calf! (laughs) I like that that gets you every time. You always think it's funny whenever I say something over the Brayden's beef music. You haven't beaven in a while. Yeah, it hasn't behooved me to beave <laughs> in recent past. <laughs> Got it! Where's the... There it is. Thanks again. Thanks, for getting, thanks again for coming out tonight, guys. Oh, oh man. I would always do that when I was teaching, is I would make a terrible joke and no one would laugh at it. And I'd be like, oh, I Oh, pretend to wipe away a tear. And they'd be like, you do that every time. I don't know what you're talking about, guys. (laughs) Take off my glasses. Rub my eyes a little bit. So, So, yeah, Snape. Snape's an enigma. I'm going to need to get my Snape question answered uh, or I'm going to lose my mind. If you made me read all these books slowly and didn't have Snape. By the end of this book, I'm going to freak out. Man, maybe maybe I'm lying to you and Fantastic Beasts is like a whole nother movie series where it's like... Can't do it. And then Snape was nice to, to Luna. Oh, and then here's Snape like slapping some little kids and then... But he just gave this money to charity and you're like, Snape, what are we doing? Yeah, I can't do it. I need to know. But it doesn't... But it doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? I was just trying to work it into that bit from Remember the Titans when he's like, you know, I, I don't I don't care, it doesn't matter to me. But like, <laughs> like I thought you said I thought you said you didn't care. I Dang. Know. That's good. That's a good one. I didn't see it. It kind of went over my head, but uh It wasn't it wasn't well presented to you. That's a good reference though. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm just with my mind. I just I just need to know. Man, I think Coach Dunn left Petey out in the sun too long. <laughs> that's like his one line, Jerry Buck. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I've got. We're about to, I'll tell you the title of the next chapter, something I don't normally do. It's called The Battle of Hogwarts. Wow. Yeah. It's like a. It's like the next chapter in our historical textbook. Yeah. 
General Severus Snape led the Slytherin army into the Hogwarts castle. And the interviews are all with, like, the Creevy brothers. Like, yeah, and I, man, I just saw Harry up there leading us into battle, and it was like, <laughs> I'm ride or die for this guy. You, you just had to wonder, how does he do it? And why does he think he can do it on his own? Why won't he just let us help? Crab and Goyle are like dressed up elaborately as women for some reason, like trying to cross <laughs> to the other side. You know, when we first started doing this series and you kept referencing like the, what is it called? Like the spinoff stories that people write. Oh, fanfic? Online, like fan fiction. Yeah. I was kind of thinking like, how do people like it doesn't seem like there's you know there's like like a whole lot to go off of with that but mm, man false <laughs> we are here and we do that every episode and yep. it's fun so i could totally understand how there's just a whole world of that out there yeah well and then you once you're done reading it and you know what does happen and you can be like well what if this happened instead that's a 10,000 word story like this sure. one thing happened differently or like a lot of it is, well, this person's actually fell in love with that person or yeah, this, like these two guys are gay now and like pairing different people off and all kinds of stuff. Head game. Yeah. That, that doesn't really interest me. The, ro- the romance stuff. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause like, what does it ultimately matter? It doesn't matter. It just is fulfilling if that was important to you. No, it's more fun like the alternate history or like the alternate history stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, like and and yeah, like we were just talking about what if Snape actually staged he and Dumbledore staged his death together and they're they're I don't know, Dumbledore's actually Snape's dad. Yeah. Oh yeah, and there's there's theories like that and there's stories about you know, what if Dudley was actually, you know, the mastermind behind the whole thing and whatever, whatever you want. See, like, that's fun. That's if we could, if we could do a whole spinoff on how Dudley is actually like, it's a conspiracy documentary. Mm-hmm. And like, we're just interviewing all these people who went to school with Dudley and they're like, man, I don't know. He was always like, you know, he's taking like, he had this wand in his bag, yeah. like, just this weird stick. And he was telling always me about like, his cousin. Yeah, just never understood it. He's always an odd guy wearing <laughs> FUBU stuff and like gold chains <laughs> for like that one really hot summer only. That was his vibe. It was so warm that summer, as I recall. He's listening to a ton of Limp Biscuit. <laughs> it would be, it would be really fun. I mean, I, I've probably told you one time. Eric and Ian and I went and found. Some like just one star rated Harry Potter fanfic, like a 12,000 word piece about like yeah. a girl yeah. that is mentioned one time. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, really poorly written. It's like, and then we went and talked to the ghosts and all the yeah. ghosts were there. Yeah. And so like reading through those. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Let's do that sometime. I could, I could really get into that. Like reading that like in a really dramatic way yeah. as if it's like really good stuff. Yeah. I think we should like pick the website we're going to use like fanfiction.net or something. And like you go and find like three that you really like. And I find three I really like. Then we can like surprise each other. Then we end up picking the same one and it's about 
like Draco falling in love with Buckbeak. (laughs) It's like he slashed me, but that only brought me what it needed no more, you know? What's within that beast and why was he drawn to me? (laughs) I can't guarantee that Draco slash Buckbeak fanfic exists, but I am not going to dismiss it out of hand. The possibility that it does. No, the internet's a it's a deep dark place. Yeah, um, where a lot of weird stuff can hide. Yeah, Rachel didn't believe me. I've told I've told this story I'm sure before, but like, she's like, no, like Luna and George. And I was like, oh, thousands. Guarantee you, like you can just say any two people. Yeah, you can probably find like Waluigi and Hermione. <laughs> I bet you can go cross. I bet you can cross pollinate. Yeah, is there one where like where Hagrid okay, hold, meets hold it. Let Donkey me let me Kong. just type it in as you say it. Where Hagrid meets Donkey Kong? Yeah. Hagrid Donkey Kong. <laughs> I hope you're prepared for all the directions that this Google search could take. I don't me. think I am and I don't think I can. Harry be. Potter and Donkey Kong crossover fan fiction. Donkey Kong Country crossover. No, that one doesn't. That's not Hagrid specific. Can we get Hagrid on like in Mario Kart? Like if I could get him on the little like in the little cars on my Nintendo Wii. Donkey Kong solves Africa. (laughs) Donkey and his pal Diddy go to Africa to face the Dark Lord. Man, this is uh, there's. There's so much out there. Harry Potter. The only other Harry Potter Donkey Kong crossover is called Harry Potter and the True Meaning of Christmas. And in the description, <laughs> the guy says, dedicated to Nicola with special thanks to Caitlin for ruining my amazing story by making me include Donkey Kong. <laughs> How do I? Okay. Yep, I'm going to have to look around for some of this. I want to apologize. This has been another bad fidgeting episode. I tried to get comfortable and it, uh, it didn't pan out great. So, uh, well, we want to not apologize to all of the listeners. Well, I mean, we do in a broad sense want to apologize to the listeners, but we thank the listeners for keeping up with us for following us all the way to this point. I don't know how many of you are listening to this 20 years in the future and, just like skipped to this point in the podcast because you were only interested in the end of the last book and are like, what the frick is wrong with these guys? Like what is even happening? Yeah. But that's on you. And if, if that's your question, uh, it is on you because we don't have the answer to that. We don't, we don't know what's wrong. Do you think like half an hour ago, Carla Googled Carson Edwards, Carson Wentz question mark? I like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think so. Um, two Indiana sports legends, honestly. <laughs> Let's hope so. I really hope so. I hope in five years we're having this same conversation about Carson Harry Wentz. Potter slash Donkey Kong fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. We have to, Carson, we need to have Carson Wentz slash, uh, Carson Edwards. Uh, Carson Wentz slash Carson Edwards slash Draco fanfiction. Yeah. yeah. That might not exist. 
We should do some kind of elaborate bet, and the loser has to write Harry Potter, Donkey Kong crossover fan fiction, like a five chapter story. Okay, I could be into that. That's <laughs> such a big commitment. Our listeners should write in. We should get some kind of contest going for our listeners, where whatever the bet is that we lose, they choose what the fan mm. fiction is about. Also, our listeners should email us links to their favorite, most hilarious fan fiction. Yes, Let's crowdsource this that. mother. Please do that. I I laugh so hard at the fan fiction ideas when they're good. Which is to say when they are at their worst. Right. I mean, there is well done stuff about like... Yeah, I'm not interested in that. People using, <laughs> you know, time turners try to go back and save people or like they get to watch their parents die but can't quite save them because of the eventuality yeah, of time yeah. no I'm not into that I'm into the really low budget humor yeah the unintentional comedy yeah uh, thank you to Hannah for becoming as the years go on increasingly upset with the fact that a podcast is being recorded <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh you're still freaking doing this we could just send the books back to Amazon what the heck <laughs> Uh, shouts to George Reasley and Cooper. Very well behaved tonight. Yeah, they had, they had a good night. Mm-hmm. So, appreciate you guys. Uh, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Five stars, five stars really helps. Uh, next week, um, next week we're reading chapters 31 and 32. Two more chapters next week. And the more. week after that, we're doing a live read. <laughs>